Loving Father in heaven, blessed be your holy name, O Lord. We give you praise and glory for considering us worthy to be among the living today. And we understand it is not because of our holiness or righteousness or goodness, but it's an evidence of your love towards us. We therefore feel a need to reciprocate this love by loving you back. And we know that the desire you have of us is for us to give you our hearts, holy and acceptable unto you. We pray, Lord, that the fellowship we will have with you now shall help us to do just that. We have many parts of our lives where we fail you, but we know that as we fellowship with you, we will dwell in the light as you are in the light. Grant us of your spirit. Impress on our hearts the important truths for us individually. And put your words in my mouth that edification may spread forth towards all your children, that we may grow into the most holy faith. In Jesus' name I've prayed. Amen. Conflict and Courage October 30 Christ sees our possibilities. I tell you, Simon, that her sins, many as they are, are forgiven, for she has shown me so much love. But the man who has little to be forgiven has only a little love to give. Luke chapter 7 verse 47 Mary had been looked upon as a great sinner, but Christ knew the circumstances that had shaped her life. He might have extinguished every spark of hope in her soul, but he did not. It was he who had lifted her from despair and ruin. Seven times she had heard his rebuke of the demons that controlled her heart and mind. She had heard his strong cries to the Father in her behalf. She knew how offensive is sin to his unsolid purity, and in his strength she had overcome. When to human eyes her case appeared hopeless, Christ saw in Mary capabilities for good. He saw the better traits of her character. The plan of redemption has invested humanity with great possibilities, and in Mary these possibilities were to be realized. Through his grace, she became a partaker of the divine nature. The one who had fallen and whose mind had been a habitation of demons was brought very near to the Savior in fellowship and ministry. It was Mary who sat at his feet and learned of him. It was Mary who poured upon his head the precious anointing oil and bathed his feet with her tears. Mary stood beside the cross and followed him to the sepulchre. Mary was first at the tomb after his resurrection. It was Mary who first proclaimed a risen Savior. Jesus knows the circumstances of every soul. You may say, I am sinful, very sinful. You may be. But the worse you are, the more you need Jesus. He turns no weeping contrite one away. He does not tell to any all that he might reveal. 
but he bids every trembling soul take courage. Freely will he pardon all who come to him for forgiveness and restoration. He is today standing at the altar of incense, presenting before God the prayers of those who desire his help. The souls that turn to him for refuge, Jesus lifts above the accusing and the strife of tongues. No man or evil angel can impeach these souls. Christ unites them to his own divine human nature. They stand beside the great sin-bearer in the light proceeding from the throne of God. Amen. The title of our devotion today is Christ Sees Our Possibilities. And it's a very interesting one. Looking from another perspective into the story of Mary. We have already read in the book of Luke chapter 7 from verse 40 to 50 the account of Mary purchasing an oil of spikenard very costly and using it to anoint the body of Jesus and to wash his feet both with the oil and with her tears and her hair and how it is that Jesus appreciated this gesture of pure holy love from Mary. The lesson for us is that Jesus takes notes, he takes note of your kindness and he writes your name in the book of life for every act of kindness you show to him. It doesn't go unnoticed. And the other lesson for us is that we shouldn't count anything too costly to give to our Lord. Also, we have learned that the influence of our lives is like that oil of spikenard. Like Mary, we still keep talking about that influence till today. And you also could have a fragrance that will linger, but it could be for evil or for good. And of course, God encourages us to have a sweet-smelling fragrance as an offering to the Lord that will have a heartwarming, holy influence on those around us. Mary was someone who was a sinner, as we read in the book of Luke chapter 7, reading concerning her that she was a sinner and the Lord said in verse 48 thy sins are forgiven even Simon thought in his heart that this woman is a sinner but the Bible gives further account on on this matter of Mary being a sinner in the book of Luke chapter 8 reading from verse 1 to 3 it says and it came to pass afterward that he went throughout every city and village preaching and showing the glad tidings of the kingdom of God and the twelve were with him and certain women which had been healed of evil spirits and infirmities Mary called Magdalene out of whom went seven devils and Joanna the wife of Chusa Herod Steward and Susanna and many others which ministered unto him of their substance there are two lessons I want us to get from here firstly Mary is called Magdalene and she is the one whom Jesus casted out seven devils from her like it says seven times like we read in the devotion Jesus had rebuked her but the Bible writes it as Mary called Magdalene out of whom went seven devils this woman out of whom went seven devils the Lord was ministering to her Jesus did not look down on her why did Jesus accept the offering and good gesture of a sinner like Mary 
We read in Conflict and Courage, page 309, paragraph 2. Mary had been looked upon as a great sinner, but Christ knew the circumstances that had shaped her life. He might have extinguished every spark of hope in her soul, but he did not so. Why did Jesus accept it? He knew the circumstances that had shaped her life. Going down, it says, When to human eyes her case appeared hopeless, Christ saw in Mary capabilities for good. He saw the better traits of her character. The plan of redemption has invested humanity with great possibilities. And in Mary, these possibilities were to be realized. Through his grace, she became a partaker of the divine nature. The one who had fallen and whose mind had been a habitation of demons was brought very near to the Savior in fellowship and ministry." End of quote. We are to learn from Christ how to treat those in error and those who are sinful. One thing we learn from Jesus is that his knowledge of the sin and vileness of men did not make him lose respect for those who were cherishing these sins. Simon was a secret sinner, so was Mary, and Judas was a thief. Yet he walked, ate, and drank with all these people as though he knew nothing about their sins. He did not decline the feast of Simon on account of his sins. He did not reject the kindness of the woman who gave him gifts on account of their unworthiness. He did not reject Mary. Sinful Mary's kindness on account of her sins. This he did because he saw their struggles and understood their possibilities. Sometimes, in a so-called zeal for God, we choose to become like the Pharisees because we see those who are less guilty than ourselves. Like Simon, we want to point to their sins and unworthiness, but only as a means of making ourselves appear more righteous. This is not to be so. We are to understand that we are human struggling and trying to live for God, but sometimes we make mistakes and we fall. I tell you an example. I once heard of a friend, an evangelist, someone who I know is an evangelist, who had been secretly involved in sin. And you may be wondering what kind of sin am I referring to? By something I would consider to be a mistake on his part, got too close to a person and in the midst of it he had impregnated someone. A lady. Hmm. You say that is bad enough, right? Now that sounds bad, yes. But that's not all. This had happened more than once. And all the time it happened, he aborted the child. Now some of you listening may say, Why? He's such a hypocrite. But remember, you have not even confirmed what I'm saying, whether it is true. But let's assume that it is true. But I just want to make you understand that we are not to credit rumors about people. But let's just assume that it's true. If the information is true and I suspect it's so, what do I do about it? I know he is struggling. Therefore, what I would not do is to lose my respect for him. I would rather pray for him because I see his possibilities. Reading from Councils for the Church, page 175, paragraph 1 and 2, we are told, among some species of animals. If one of their number is wounded and falls, he is at once set upon and torn in pieces by his fellows. The same cruel spirit is indulged by men who bear the name of Christians. They manifest a pharisaical zeal to stone others less guilty than themselves. There are some who point to others' faults and failures to divert attention from their own or to gain credit for great zeal for God and the church. 
the time spent in criticizing the motives and works of Christ's servants might better be spent in prayer. Often, if those who find fault knew the truth in regard to those with whom they find fault, they would have an altogether different opinion of them. How much better it would be if instead of criticizing and condemning others, everyone would say, I must work out my own salvation. If I cooperate with him who desires to save my soul, I must watch myself diligently. I must cut away every evil from my life. I must become a new creature in Christ. I must overcome every fault. Then, instead of weakening those who are striving against evil, I can strengthen them by encouraging words. Amen. End of quote. Sometimes we usually would cherish this thought that once you know the sin of someone and then you see them trying to do the work of God, for example, like Mary who was involved in doing the work of God. Do you realize what I just read in the book of Luke chapter 8? That there were women, it was not just Mary, women, Luke chapter 8 verse 2, and certain women which had been healed of evil spirits and infirmities, Mary called Madeline, out of whom went seven devils, and Joanna, the wife of Chusa, Herod, Steward, and Susanna, and many others. It was not just Mary, many others. What did they do? The next line says, they ministered unto Jesus of their substance. Jesus did not reject it. These are not women who were all righteous. This, the record is that these women had devils, evil spirits cast out of them. And it wasn't just once, not twice, not thrice, at least for Mary's case, seven times. How do you view people who you see as sinning and repenting, sinning and repenting? Let us see how Jesus related with sinners. Again, here now, reading from Desire of Ages, page 90, paragraph 3 and page 91. It says, Harmless and undefiled, he walked among the thoughtless, the rude, the uncourteous, amid the unjust publicans, the reckless prodigals, the unrighteous Samaritans, the hidden soldiers, the rough peasants, and the mixed multitude. He spoke a word of sympathy here and a word there, as he saw men weary yet compelled to bear heavy burdens. He shared their burdens and repeated to them the lessons he had learned from nature of the love, the kindness, the goodness of God. He taught all to look upon themselves as endowed with precious talents. And let me pause. I don't want to keep reading so that we don't miss the point. So what should we do? Make this practical. If you see people struggling, sinning and repenting, yet they are ministering to Jesus, what should you do? teach them to look upon themselves as endowed with precious talents. Satan is already doing the work of making them look down on themselves. No matter how you see an outward exterior of people who look like, oh, they are enjoying their sins, it's not always the case. They are suffering inside. Teach them to see themselves as endowed with precious talents, which if rightly employed, would secure for them eternal riches. What is the problem? You are talented, but it's just that it is wrongly employed. You are using it in the wrong direction. Teach them that they can use that talent, rightly employ it. Going on, it says, He weeded all vanity from life, and by his own example, taught that every moment of time is fraught with eternal results. 
that it is to be cherished as a treasure and to be employed for holy purposes. He passed by no human being as worthless, but sought to apply the saving remedy to every soul. In whatever company he found himself, he presented a lesson that was appropriate for the time and the circumstances. He sought to inspire with hope the most rough and unpromising, setting before them the assurance that they might become blameless and harmless, attaining such a character as would make them manifest as the children of God. Often, he met those who had drifted. Hmm, listen, he met those who had drifted under Satan's control and who had no power to break from his snare. To such a one, what would you do when you see such a person? Sinning and repenting, addicted to a bad habit, sinning over and over again. He says, to such a one, discouraged, sick, tempted and fallen, Jesus would speak words of tenderest pity words that were needed and could be understood. Others he met who were fighting a hand-to-hand battle with the adversary of souls. These he encouraged to persevere, assuring them that they would win, for angels of God were on their side and would give them the victory. Those whom he thus helped were convinced that here was one in whom they could trust with perfect confidence. He would not betray the secrets they poured into his sympathizing ear. I'll stop here and continue. Are you seeing the list of the beautiful character of Jesus? As opposed to telling people, do you know that this your sickness is because of that sin you have been committing? We read here that he read to such a one discouraged, sick, tempted and fallen. Not tempted and overcome tempted and fallen what does jesus do does he tell them oh is this because of your sick sick your sin that this is happening to you know he said jesus would speak words of tenderest pity words that were needed and could be understood and again we read here he will not betray the secrets they poured into his sympathizing ear yesterday we learned that even if it was not them who poured it even if it was just because he knew about it he will not even discuss it with them Except he understands that he could help them, of course, but we don't see him doing that. He worked very discreetly with people, not exposing to them. He could say what he could, but he could expose, but no, he wouldn't do that. Not even to them. He wouldn't even let them know that he knows what they are doing. But he walks with them freely. Continuing the reading, it says, Jesus was the healer of the body as well as the soul. He was interested in every phase of suffering that came under his notice, and to every sufferer he brought relief. His kind words having a soothing balm. None could say that he had worked a miracle, but virtue, the healing power of love, went out from him to the sick and distressed. Thus, in an unobtrusive way, he worked for the people from his very childhood. And this was why, after his public ministry began, so many heard him gladly. End of quote. By the way, all this I was reading was when Jesus was still a young man. He had not started his ministry. So we've learned a lot now from just what we've read and I advise you to go back on it again. As you read it, you'd let your character change into that of Christ. In treating the erring, we are learning to treat them with kindness. Why? Because there are possibilities. What you are seeing today can be different. Look at the talents. It is only because it is wrongly employed, that's why you see them the way they are. We are to understand that we ourselves were once like that wrongly employing our talents, using it in the wrong direction, 
and so also with the person you are seeing out there who is behaving wrongly, who has fallen. See in them the possibilities of what they can be, but not what they are now. Ministry of Healing, page 163, paragraph 2 and downward says, How little do we enter into sympathy with Christ on that which, we, which should be the strongest bond of union between us and Him. Compassion for depraved, guilty, suffering souls, dead in trespasses and sins. And this is a quote I read a lot. Going on, it says, The inhumanity of man towards man is our greatest sin. Has it stuck with you yet? Do you understand what the greatest sin is? It's not those who are in the LGBTQ lifestyle. It is not the killer, the murderer. It is the inhumanity of man towards man. Of course, those things can be shown in murder. It can be shown in gossip. It can. That's in fact when you look at the seven abominations as we see in Proverbs six reading, we realize that the sins being listed there are sins of inhumanity of man towards his fellow man. Is it pride? The proud look, the haughty eyes, feet that um, be quick to shed innocent blood, run into mischief, bearing false witness, sowing discord among brethren, or deceiving people. All this shows man's inhumanity towards his fellow man. That's our greatest sin. It says, continuing the reading, many think that they are representing the justice of God while they wholly fail of representing his tenderness and his great love. Often the ones who they meet with sternness and severity are under the stress of temptation. Satan is wrestling with these souls and harsh, unsympathetic words discourage them and cause them to fall a prey to the tempter's power. It is a delicate matter to deal with minds. Only he who reads the heart knows how to bring men to repentance. Only his wisdom can give us success in reaching the lost. You may stand up stiffly, feeling, I am holier than thou. And it matters not how correct your reasoning or how true your words, they will never touch hearts. The love of Christ manifested in word and act will win its way to the soul when the reiteration of precept or argument would accomplish nothing. We need more of Christ-like sympathy. Not merely sympathy for those who appear to us to be faultless, but sympathy for poor, suffering, struggling souls who are often overtaken in fault, sinning and repenting, tempted and discouraged. We are to go to our fellow men, touched like our merciful high priest, with the feeling of their infirmities. It was the outcast, the publican and sinner, the despised of the nation that Christ called and by his loving kindness compelled to come unto him. The one class that he would never countenance was those who stood apart in their self-esteem and looked down upon others. End of quote. There was sympathy for everybody but one class. There is one class of people. And I would usually ask myself, who oh, every sinner needs sympathy. But I'm reading here now that one class of people who Jesus will never countenance are those who stood apart in their self-esteem, looking down on others, treating other sinners as though they are better than them. And usually such people, God will not fail to humble them. But sometimes they refuse to be humbled. That sin which you usually condemn in another person, be careful. You'll find yourself in it very soon. That sin which, you, which makes you look at another person disrespectfully or treat them disrespectfully, be careful. You may find yourself involved in it very soon. 
and then you will learn to treat people like that with respect knowing that you don't know the circumstance that had led to people being what they are today do you see that thief the armed robber that killer that person who is involved in yes something that you can call vileness uncleanness evil whether it is lost of all kinds pornography a harlot a publican you don't know the circumstance that has led them to be what they are go and ask them their story and you'll be surprised and you ask yourself could it have been any better if i were in their shoes what will i be i may also have been like them that's why when you understand the circumstances one that's one reason and the second reason when you understand that this person who you are seeing like this today has possibilities that can be something better forbear treat people with respect and tenderness and kindness knowing that these people are heirs of salvation they have been purchased with the blood of christ saints doesn't necessarily mean people who have never sinned or who are not struggling with sin paul wrote to people whom he called saints and if you read it in the book of first corinthians reading chapter 6 chapter 3 all these places you realize that these corinth people of corinth had many issues but yet what did paul call them he called them saints talking about this matter of paul calling them saints it says Paul, in Ministry of Healing, page 167, paragraph 2, says, Paul wrote to these brethren as saints in Christ Jesus, but he was not writing to those who were perfect in character. He wrote to them as men and women who were striving against temptation and who were in danger of falling. He pointed them to the God of peace that brought again from the dead our Lord Jesus, that great shepherd of the sheep. He assured them that through the blood of the everlasting covenant, he will make you perfect in every good work to do his will, working in you that which is well-pleasing in his sight through Jesus Christ. Hebrews 13 verse 20 and 21. We become too easily discouraged over the souls who do not at once respond to our efforts. Never should we cease to labor for a soul while there is one gleam of hope. Precious souls cost our self-sacrificing Redeemer to dear a price to be lightly given up to the tempter's power. We need to put ourselves in the place of the tempted ones. Consider the power of heredity, the influence of evil associations and surroundings, the power of wrong habits. Can we wonder that under such influences many become degraded? Can we wonder that they should be slow to respond to efforts for their uplifting? Often. When one to the gospel, those who appeared coerced and unpromising will be among its most loyal adherents, just like Mary, and advocates, just like Mary. They are not altogether corrupt. That's what we need to learn. They are not altogether corrupt. Beneath the forbidding exterior, there are good impulses that might be reached. Without a helping hand, many will never recover themselves. But by patient, persistent effort, not by censure, not by looking down on them, not by ignoring and criticizing and condemning them, but by patient, persistent effort, they may be uplifted. Such need tender words, kind consideration, tangible help. They need that kind of counsel which will not extinguish the faint gleam of courage in the soul. Let the workers who come in contact with them consider this. Some will be found whose minds have been so long debased that they will never in this life become what under more favorable circumstances they might have been. Yes, we may see people like that, but the bright beams of the Son of Righteousness may shine into the soul. It is their privilege to have the life that measures with the life of God. 
planting their minds, uplifting and nobling thoughts. Let your life make plain to them the difference between vice and purity. He didn't say let your condemning words, but let your life show to them the difference between vice and purity darkness and light in your example let them read what it means to be a christian christ is able to uplift the most sinful and place them where they will be acknowledged as children of god joint heads with christ to the immortal inheritance by the miracle of divine grace many may be fitted for lives of usefulness despised and forsaken they have become utterly discouraged they may appear stoical and stolid but under the ministration of the holy spirit the stupidity that makes their uplifting appear so hopeless will pass away the dull clouded mind will awake the slave of sin will be set free amen vice will disappear and ignorance will be overcome amen through the faith that works by love the hearts will be purified and the mind enlightened and i say amen this is the hope we should have for people i have seen people who even their parents made them what they are they are struggling with vices, struggling with sin, but all they get are insults, criticisms, condemnation. Do you think these people don't know they are already bad enough? What then will your words do to them when you keep telling them such hard, harsh, wicked words? Look, make no mistake, I know I have seen those who themselves are really nasty. I have a friend who struggles with alcoholism. And we have been very close since we were young, but I remember a time when he lost it and started to use terrible words on me. I could understand it's not him. And I told him, don't worry. When you come around, when you realize yourself, don't feel bad. I have sent him a message. Don't feel bad when you get yourself. I know you are not yourself right now. And he kept on insulting me even as I was writing it. I said, no problem, I understand. But when you get yourself, don't run away from me. Contact me and we'll talk. That was not a time for me to say, oh, you insulted me. Oh, I'm going to do this. I'll not talk to you again. No, you have to understand. People are struggling. And I re- and when he got himself later, he called me. And then, though he may not have necessarily apologized, but I could get the apology even if he couldn't say it with his mouth. I don't want him to say there's no need. I understand. He was not himself. He was under the influence of another substance. And we must learn these things and show love. You shouldn't enhance it. Don't say you're going to sponsor them so that they will do the evil the more. But show them love and tenderness. Reach out. Understand that this person can change. The Lord can help. The grace of God may come to their life. It is true. Like we read, they may never come back to what they might have been under favorable circumstances. But the bright beams of the Son of Righteousness can shine into their soul and they will be changed. These people, by the miracle of divine grace, can be fitted for lives of usefulness and can be in the kingdom of God. Apart from Mary and these women, there were those demoniacs of Gadara and those other men who Jesus casted out legions from them. They became sane and in their right mind and they became evangelists for Jesus. It is possible for people out there who are also struggling with vices to become the same. They can be saints of God. And to you, if you are among such a people, Looking down on yourself, remember these words we read at the beginning of of the devotion. It says, in Conflict and Courage, page 309, 
paragraph 4 you may say i am sinful very sinful you may be but the worse you are the more you need jesus he turns no weeping contrite one away he does not tell to any all that he might reveal that's his he's not going to reveal your secrets to anybody but he bids every trembling soul to do what take courage my brother take courage my sister whatever you're struggling with freely will he pardon all who come to him for forgiveness and restoration he is today standing at the altar of incense presenting before god the prayers of those who desire his help and that is you and me he is tender but of course the box still lies with us we should cooperate with him that the possibilities that christ sees in us may be realized there are many who christ saw possibilities in them in his day when he was on the earth and even today but the possibility is not realized it is there but because they don't get themselves to cooperate with him like mary did like joanna did like the demoniacs in gadara they don't get themselves to cooperate and the possibilities are not realized may that not be our portion but today may a glimmer of hope be opened to you may your eyes view it and may you grasp it and take hold of it that whatever your struggles are remember that christ sees possibilities in you Take hold of it. He doesn't condemn you. Rise up and strive towards the mark. We may fall often. We may have to weep because of our sins. But to get up and continue to press on and try again and again more fervently, more earnestly. And do not give up on yourself and don't give up on others who you see are in the same situation. Don't look down on them lest you are brought low into the same sin that you condemn in others. May the Lord help us. Let us pray. Thank you, dear Father, for blessing us with your words. I pray that we shall have this same character of our Lord of seeing possibilities in others, even though we may not understand all the circumstances that has led to people being what they are. Help us to always not look down on anyone, but see possibilities in them and in ourselves. Help us too not to look down on ourselves, but to grasp the grace and tenderness and compassion of our Lord towards us, that we may be revived in the Lord and we may be saints in the kingdom of God, overcoming all sin and evil in our characters. Do this and take the glory. In Jesus' name I've prayed. Amen. As little children, we would dream of Christmas morn And all the gifts and toys we knew we'd find But we never realized a baby born one
Maria.